Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bear Necessities podcast. Thank you guys all for listening again. Um, Zach, how's your week been? Uh, it's been real good. Uh, weather's been kind of strange out in California. It's been raining. We had some thunderstorms, but I kind of I kind of like that. You don't get enough of that in Southern California, so it was cool to uh, it's cool to actually see some some thunderstorms come in. Yeah, no, out here, kind of this week, it's been a very Halloween vibe, very kind of foggy, misty, and uh, yeah, that Chicago fall weather is uh, really kind of kicking in now. So yeah, it's been a been a pretty good week for me. Definitely been busy, and uh, it, it was a lot better to start it off with a Bears victory on, on Monday. As a, <laughs> um, compared to how it felt last Monday after after the Browns game, but the final score was depressing. Yeah, that was. You didn't even really want to say you're a Bears fan. Nah, I'm no, just kidding. Was, I, I took my jersey off <laughs> immediately. You always got to wrap it through the thick and the thin. But yeah. Lions 14, Bears 24. Bears get a, a first victory. Um, well, not a first victory at home, but a first victory for Justin Fields and his first victory in front of the Bears faithful. Uh, it was... Uh, it was an interesting game at some points. I mean, the Bears, I think, really had control of it through and through. And the Lions kind of did a little bit of catch up at the very end. It seemed like the Bears maybe gave them a little bit of a chance to to pull it off. But the Lions kind of bungled that chance. And, you know, the Bears were able to finish it off pretty well. Justin Fields definitely took some headlines, played played well. The stat line wasn't anything super crazy. But, you know, once again, he probably could have had a touchdown um, I don't know. We look at the Comet one is looking at one that maybe he should have had. But even with that being said, Montgomery played very, very well, punched the ball in the end zone multiple times. And yeah, I mean, you can't argue too much with how the Bears performed and at least they controlled the game, which is probably the first time we can say that the Bengals game a little bit, but that one got a little too close at the end as well. Yeah, the Bengals game was was a much closer contest, despite the fact that, you know, down down near the uh, the third quarter, fourth quarter, the the Lions put up a touchdown in in each quarter, and and it did, you know, you started to kind of go, okay, let's not get too conservative here. But with the Bengals, it, I mean, God, that game was actually within reach. You know, if uh, yeah. one or two things went the other way, that 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 game could have swung. And and you know, the thing is, the Bengals are no no soft team. I think they've kind of surprised people coming out with a winning record through four games technically um, atop of that division just with kind of how the nfl really? is putting yeah. the standings together i think they usually end up on top which i don't know if it will remain that way but they look like someone that could at least be in the mix for uh, a wild card spot for a while if not ended up getting one because they are playing God. pretty well the afc north is stacked man you got the the Bengals, ravens and browns all vying for that for that uh that top spot in the AFC North. That's going to be kind of a, an interesting little division to watch. Um yeah, and both the, the divisions out west. Stacked. <laughs> AFC West too. Wow. Yeah. I'm just looking at this right now. I, I almost forget how the Chiefs are at the bottom of their division. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, not I mean to, not to deter from the Bears here, but wow. <laughs> I no, it's pretty but you know, sometimes looking at the league helps give context and if anything, it makes that Bengals win look very good. And, and so much of that win was kind of the three straight interceptions. You know, looking back in hindsight, do the Bears pull off that game if they don't get those three straight picks? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do. The defense showed up well. 
got enough sacks, enough pressure on Joe Burrow, but that's a team that's that's playing well. Jamar Chase and uh, I believe they have T. Higgins out there as well are doing very well um, with him and mixing that running back. They got some good things going along for him, and you know when their defense plays well, I think that you know that offense is good enough to keep him in most games. Yeah, they're, I mean they're a relatively high scoring offense. Uh, um, I, I think I think that they they might have been a sleeper. A sleeper team for sure. So, and you know, we're we're their only loss. So, that you got to take that away too. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> but you know, I mean, when you say that the wins are against the Bengals and the Lions, you know, the Lions are a little bit more of you expect it. You know, when you look at the yeah. Bears' schedule, you look at the two Lions games, and you go like, well, we'll at least probably get those two. As bad as it sounds, and all respect to Lions fans, but that's usually kind of how it shakes out. In a really bad Bears year, they split with the Lions, you know, but they never really get, you know, caught out on both games. And, you know, the Bears kind of made that pretty clear. It was interesting, though, because the one really telltale thing, if you were just watching the game and then if you happen to turn it off, like when the when the Lions got into the red zone, you wouldn't know why the hell the score is the way that it is. You know, I'd say if you if you want to have a little bit of concern about how easily the Lions move the ball, I think that's a little valid. I'd say you got to give the defense credit for coming up and making the stops when they did. Um, definitely played well enough, and you know, once again, I'd say that you know Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, both played both played well, and we saw some good things from from Gibson as well. You know, tough to complain with the performance, but you go like, damn, it's kind of crazy how the Lions were able to march it down the field seemingly every time they had it. Yeah, I mean, the, the our defense came up big in the red zone for sure, um, stopping a couple drives, which really should have been scoring drives. Um, but you know, it, you make plays in big moments, and and that's sometimes all it takes. But I, I will say, yeah, our, our concern has been watching offenses just put together drives against us, moving the 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 ball downfield, moving the chains, and uh, having you know pretty good success with it. Uh, we kept this this game pretty low scoring, but uh, it, it still appears that we can't keep up in a shootout, you know, with any team. So um, it's uh, it's a little bit of a concern because it was just like and we can get into a little bit of how Justin Fields played as well in this. But the first half, you know, besides the tipped interception, which was you can't really blame that too much on on Justin. Um but, you know, besides that pick, everything seemed to go pretty well for the offense. Like they obviously had a lot of rhythm. They came out shooting out the gate, running the ball very effectively. I remember when they were down around the 10 yard line um, trying to get their second touchdown, I believe I was like, oh, this would be a great opportunity to throw it up to Jimmy Graham in the end zone. And they just decided to punch it right back in with Montgomery again. And I was like, well, that works too. You know, why, why play the difficult game when you can, when you can keep it simple. And they did really well with that. When Montgomery was playing in the game, he was pushing hard. He was a force. The line's couldn't really do much about him. Um, Damian Williams also had a pretty good game as well. But it was just like the second half. It was like, oh, like of course we can't get like two straight halves of like steady play. And I know they were in control, but it just seemed like all of a sudden in the in the second half it got like super conservative for whatever reason. Yeah, and that's a trend of Nagy's, right? Is you know go up by ten and then play like you're up by thirty. Um, yeah, and and admittedly, like look, Montgomery. I say this every week because he's like this every week. He's a stud, and and we're gonna really miss him for the four to six weeks he's gonna be out. Um, I think that this was like Damian Williams 
comeback game. I don't know if he's really come back from anything, but to see him, <laughs> you know, eight carries, 55 yards, averaging six, 6.9 yards, almost seven yards a carry, and, and he gets in there for the touchdown, um, it, it instilled a little bit of confidence that we might be able to survive this thing, uh, you know, survive Montgomery being out. But, you know, as much as I appreciate just pound the ball, grind, grind, it's like – when you're up by 10 points, man, you're not, this game is not totally out of reach, you know, and with, with one and a half quarters to go, uh, Nagy, you need to, to keep pressing and keep pushing. And, and I think he just gets so comfortable in a winning position that he, he's just not good at adjusting the game plan and understanding you still got to push. So, um, it got a little dicey, but you know, these are the lions. This is one of two teams that hasn't won a game, uh, them and the Jaguars. So, you know, I guess maybe <laughs> what a nightmare down in Jacksonville, too, by the way. <laughs> we don't need to dive super far into that. But, oh, my right. goodness, man. Like, Yikes. <laughs> just not a great look uh, for, for Urban Meyer out there. But, yeah, it is interesting. And I would say it kind of says a little bit about I think the Bears ceiling this year is probably being like a wild card team. Like absolute ceiling. I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. They They have a decent shot. You know, right now it seems with how the rest of the division is playing, they could definitely contend for that second spot in the division. But it's like for me, it kind of is a little bit of the difference between like a good team and a great team, where it's like okay, a good team can right. they can run the ball at the end of the game and take like at least four or five minutes off the clock, and you know at least start to kill clock. But the great teams, you know, they have you know five, six, seven minute drives, and they also punch it in for like three points or a touchdown towards the end of the game. So it's very much just like, okay, I think it's a little telling of, you know, maybe where this team is at as far as we can do at least like the fundamental things, right? Is as far as, okay, yeah, we are running the ball towards the end of the game because you don't want to be, you don't want to be in that Falcon situation, right? The 28 to three where you're just an idiot and you're, and you're blowing it. But, you know, I, I think that we can see the bears possibly continue to improve a little bit in that category as far as how, how they manage leads when they do have them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be, you know, now that Justin Fields has taken over as starter, uh, it's been officially named as of yesterday or today. Yes. Um, it was actually just today, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So brand new development for those who don't know, uh, Nagy has finally, uh, reversed course and named Justin Fields as the starter presumably because Andy Reid is now fully healthy uh, and despite all the you know misleading uh, quotes saying that as soon as he was healthy he was going to come back as the starter Justin Fields clearly provides much more upside uh, gives us a much better chance at winning <coughs> excuse me I'm still coming over a cold um, and so now I think that this offense can actually uh, build an identity it's going to start to you know the offense is clearly going to run through him especially with Montgomery out we're going to see Justin Fields put the offense on his back and and I hope that that means Nagy gives him the keys and just turns him loose and uh, you know we see a little bit more consistent game plan throughout the game uh, you know worst case scenario Nagy just keeps holding everything back but I, I, I'd like to be uh, optimistic here yeah when <sighs> And kind of a couple of things from what you just said. I think when they do let Fields completely have the reins of the offense, it's gonna it's gonna be beautiful. Um, you know, there might be a couple 
missteps here and there as he's learning it and a couple growing pains and might not always be pretty. But when it kind of gets to the point a little bit, is like kind of how I see Herbert out in, in L.A., where it's just like he's kind of running the show. The team just puts 100% confidence in him and just, you know, lets him go to work. I think once the Bears reach that point with Justin Fields, this offense is just kind of going to be going to be humming along at this point. And another thing that based on what you said, it's just so interesting that with the whole Dalton Fields situation, it's just like in a week, we just can't get a straight answer. And I'm not look, I'm not trying to spin this somehow to be negative against Nagy as far as. Okay, I applaud him. I, I I wanted Fields to start. I feel like we're making the right move. So credit to him in there. But like, how come we can't even get a straight answer on a week to week basis? You know, how come? No, I mean, this, how come on a Monday it's Dalton starting, and then on a Wednesday it's Fields? <laughs> you know, look, this is this is bigger than even that. Um, I was talking to you before we started here, and I wanted to bring this up for those who are watching the game. I think it was it was not hard to see that the game plan. Uh, compared to the Browns offensively was completely different, right? And things things just felt fluid in this game. Uh, you can point to it being, you know, the 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 uh, uh, the, uh, the Lions and that the Lions are just, you know, a trash team. But, Some but the false truth is that confidence. something was different. <laughs> right. And we speculated during the game and right after the game in our in our in- initial reaction that Bill Lazor might have taken back over in, in play calling. And in fact, we found out couple hours later that that is exactly what happened however once again Nagy being as weird and dodgy as he could be gave one of the most long-winded explanations instead of just patting his his offensive coordinator on the back saying you know we took a good look at things and I decided it was best for me to be big picture and Bill Lazor took off you know over offensive play calling and I, I congratulate him Here, here's the direct quote. It's so I'm sorry that this is going to be a little bit long and maybe I'll cut some parts out. But here's what he said uh, in regards to play calling. In regards to the play calling, Bill did a great job. And I think that at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that I had to. I felt good out there as a head coach. And that's real. But we all get together. We all talk through how we're going to call the game. And we do that when I'm calling plays. So it's important for everybody to know that when we build a game plan together, whether it's the offensive line coach, tight ends coach, wide receiver coach, et cetera, we do it together. And to that end, I, di- I get a great opportunity to say yes. As, as a head coach, right, in charge of all that, that's real. I also <laughs> go back to saying last week, right, last week was, hey, whatever I need to do to try and be the best head coach for the Bears, whatever that is, I don't care. I just want us to have the best opportunity to win. I, I I don't know I don't know what he was saying why why that had to be an essay written by a third grader but it's just like look man just tell it like it is stop d- d- you know don't give eight thousand words that's real he kept saying that's real <laughs> well, well it's just so strange. Man. <laughs> Here, we'll, we'll do this. We'll break this down piece by piece. So we'll get to kind of a little bit more of the news and kind of expectations as far as fields starting, you know, a, a little bit later. But as far as the whole laser taking over play calling, it is really just interesting. And, and to me, just trying to get like an insight to read like a little bit into maybe a little bit of the rhetoric or what he's saying. It's just like, 
I feel like he's still trying to say in a very subtle way that like he's still involved in it somehow, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's very, that's the weird thing. He's very much just trying to be like, well, it's still put, like runs through me. And I love the, I have a great opportunity to say yes. Like, you know what, Nagy? Yeah, like, you know like, what? Like, no, no, no. I, I applaud you. I, I, I'm glad that you get to put the big old rubber stamp on it and just send her out the door like come on <laughs> like i i get it like a little bit of your knowledge is still in here and it's actually it brings up an interesting point because i know austin is very adamant that Nagy has good plays but just doesn't really know how to call them which okay anyone that knows a little about like football strategy should be able to call good plays and put them in some kind of order that makes logical sense but you know laser is working out of Nagy's kind of playbook of course you know this is kind of what they've dreamed up um together i'm not sure how much laser has a say on that but it really just seemed so much smoother last week just right from the off and it was pretty crazy i'm not sure if Nagy how much influence he had on that or not but with what laser did as far as scripting kind of those first 10 or so plays they seem to all just kind of work out, and that's not really too often where you see that happen. You at least kind of see one thing that busts or doesn't quite work out well, and, and you know the offense gets information from that. But with the Bears, it was just like, okay, we're gonna run, you know, Montgomery and kind of like a power O, and then we're gonna drop it back and get into the gun. It was just, it was a good mix that just worked out very well. Yeah, yeah, the the whole. That, that first, like, you know, scripted drive downfield, you know, leading to a score <clears throat> was just beautiful. It was a, it was a work of beauty. And, and the thing is, I don't know. I just think it's just so strange. This is this is clearly a man, and I've been, I've been a, <laughs> a pretty steadfast, naggy defender. This is clearly a man who knows he's getting fired. Like, I, that's just what it is. He, I, I, think, I think that there's very little naggy can do right now to not get fired. Um I, I think that that he is realizing that uh, he's looking more and more replaceable. And the fact that this offensive guru, this coach whisperer, you know, comes in. Quarterback whisperer. <laughs> offensive guru. I love that. And the, and the uh, soldier field used to go there and they put offensive genius or like mastermind. And I was like, oh, man, we're about to watch him put up 13 points. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> I mean, and and again, like I, I think I was just talking to my my boss about this, my old boss. Like, bro, we had Mark Tressman, we had John Fox. Okay, I think I'd take Nagy ten out of ten times over either of those guys. Yeah. And the problem with finding any new head coach, especially when the McCaskies are choosing, is that like it's a crapshoot, and we could end up with someone really, really just terrible like someone that that loses the locker room or you know Khalil Mack is standing on the bench saying you know after this team I'm out of here I want to trade like we could lose the locker room to a bad coach which we almost did with Trestman I mean we did actually completely but so so you know there's there's some redeemable features to Nagy but like he's got to know somewhere that that there's a bunch of really really talented college coaches that are just waiting for the opportunity to take his job. And and that his, you know, now now that he's given up offensive play calling, Bill Lazor twice now has come in and clearly showed he's better at playing, you know, calling plays. Um I think he's I think he's just in these press conferences, he's he's struggling to find the words to make it sound like he's still 
necessary. You know, like like he needs to be there because, in all honesty, it sounds like right now he could just pretty much walk out the door, and the the franchise would run smooth as butter, just just the way it has been. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're right. Compared to Trustman, compared to John Fox, Matt Nagy seems like a godsend. But at the same time, it's you can't help but get that feeling because, you know, not many head coaches or not all head coaches that are kind of more offensive minded call plays on the offensive side. But it just seemed like, especially this year, more than others, even seemed like, OK, the one redeemable like quality of Matt Nagy was that he always had the locker room with him. And it even seems like he's losing it a little bit there. And I think he's kind of right. trying he's trying to people please a little bit, because if Matt Nagy was trying to purely win out to keep his job, he'd honestly probably play Dalton at this point. You know, he'd probably stick to those to those guns, but it almost seems like after last week, Matt Nagy knew he just didn't even want to take the media pressure. He didn't want to hear it that he wasn't going to be starting Justin Fields to a certain extent. And you bring up an interesting thing as far as how everything else could go on the coach front. I don't know if the bears would look to a college coach or not. I almost feel like they'd have to play it a little bit safe and definitely go with someone that's like an up and coming coordinator or something along those lines. Yeah. And I feel like I say this every time the Bears go through a coaching change, and because it feels like it's true, because it, it just ends tragically whenever a, a coach gets fired from the Bears. Like you know, John Fox leaving wasn't pretty. Like the the town had already turned against him. Trustman was just that spun out of control, unbelievably terrible. Like the so last bad. few weeks. <laughs> Like it was just building up a big old drum roll until he finally got the axe. And, and we'll see how it works out with Nagy, but this is going to be a tough stretch for him. I mean, realistically, we're going to get to how we feel like they're going to play against the Raiders. But, you know, just to name a few, you know, Raiders, Niners, Packers, um, Steelers, who maybe, you know, their offense is kind of meh. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is definitely showing that he's not an NFL <laughs> quarterback anymore. What he's is up with big Ben. He's, he's struggling big time, but it's a, it's a rough, rough stretch of games. And yeah, it, logic would tell you that the bears are at least going to end up on the losing side of this stretch. You know, I think if they pick up a win or two, it's going to be overall what we'd expect from them. So we'll see how he takes that pressure, but bill laser certainly kind of made it a little easier for him. Um, you know, Matt Nagy didn't have to answer questions about stupid play calls and kind of yeah. just had, he gave a very long winded answer about why he handed over play calling and just a very philosophic and that's real. <laughs> and that's real. And that's real. Uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, man, just what an interesting stretch for the, for, uh, a switch of, a switch of, um, play calling responsibilities and, you know, our QB one. Uh, Raiders are better than people thought. I think uh, they were going to be this year. Packers are obviously, you know, one of the top four teams in the in the NFC. Uh, and then we play the Bucks, the reigning Super Bowl champs. And then we have a Niners who has a, a vaunted defense and a pr- pretty uh, uh, pretty stellar offense. And then the Steelers, which Steelers are a bit of a confusing team. But then the Raiders right afterwards, man, like we got what is this six games in a row of just you know, playoff teams or supposedly playoff teams. Um, yeah. No, well, let's spare the Raiders prediction. But let's start what the game after the Raiders is the Packers Packers. Yeah. So you feel like that's, I think we both agree. That's probably a loss right there. So that, uh, yeah, that so, should be, a loss. so that's one. Who's the next one after that? 
the Bucks. The Bucks. That's probably t- <laughs> at least the second. I don't loss. think. I don't think unless Tom Brady forgets that it's fourth down again. Uh, yeah. we're probably losing that game. And then it's the um the 49ers. 49ers. Yep. That that that's a possible I think we could. that that could be done. It's a lot more possible than the Buccaneers or the Packers, I feel like. But yeah, if we're being optimistic optimistic, it looks like the Niners Steelers back to back games that we could we could yeah. uh pull out the win before the bye week. And I feel like we it's the Ravens after all of that mess. <laughs> Yeah, the Ravens, and then our consolation prize is playing the the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, the and that's that's going to be a tough one, too. just because the defense, if the offense cannot stay on the field, it's going to get very tiring watching Lamar Jackson break the pocket, and oh. if Roquan Smith gets forced out of pass coverage a lot, and really when he's watching the zone, just has to be waiting to see where Lamar Jackson is going to be running. That's gonna be that's gonna be a little tough. I think that'll be a test for this Bears defense, um, and it always is for any team that goes up against Lamar Jackson. That's a different. It's very much in college football when a team goes up to play against Army. You know, it's just a very different look yeah. that a lot of teams are not used to playing playing at at that level. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll get into the into the Raiders prediction, but we'll, we'll go ahead. Let's let's shed some more light on whole Justin Fields. And, you know, some of this will kind of lend into that Raiders talk as well. But now that he's kind of officially gotten the the permanent starting nod, he's officially the QB one. I guess where are your expectations at for the rest of this year? Are you going to be watching stats, seeing kind of how he develops? Or, you know, I think the logical answer is that you actually give it the eye test and watch and see how he's playing the game because that really kind of feel is, is what's most important. But, you know, what's important for you to kind of see him improve as he takes over the reins long term? Uh, just as long as he gets like 50 t- passing touchdowns on the season <laughs> and like a cool 5,000 yard passing. And, yard. Anything less, be, I'm not saying Anything less, <laughs> massive failure. <laughs> Might as well trade him. Just get rid of the kid. Um, no, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I think we've already seen a huge improvement from the game against the Browns. It's hard to attribute it to any one factor, right? Like play calling has changed. Um, He has an extra week. Offensive line was a good place to start too. I mean, yeah, the difference difference in sacks is it says a lot. (laughs) Nine to one, nine to one. Like, wow. If you're not getting murdered, you can actually play well. Um, He had, so I think what, let me look at his stat line again. He had, uh, eleven completions. I believe I, this is one way to go off memory. Yeah. Eleven for seventeen, two oh six, and an interception. I think you're close. Eleven for seventeen, two oh nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> zero and, and one pick. So of those eleven passes, five of them were over twenty yards, and one of them was like a fifty-five yard bomb to uh, Darnell Mooney, and the other one was like a thirty-five yard bomb to Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Um, he is he is opening up the the field and and we're gonna see more and more of that. He had zero time against the Browns. The line was not calibrated for him. The play calling was not designed for him. Um, and and whatever factor you wanna you know you wanna say it is, and I'm sure people will leave in the comments what they think the reason why Fields was so successful against the Lions, whether or not it's even just because the Lions suck. Um, it, it it was it was room. You know, there was there was a massive improvement, and I think we're going to see that week to week. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to have any regression, but I just think that 
as he continues to, you know, build that confidence and understand he is, you know, QB1 moving forward. It was a big move, um, or an important move, I should say, for, for Nagy to stop dicking around and finally to say, yeah, you're our guy, you're going to be the guy. You know, coming into the season, I thought, send Andy, you know, Dalton out there, let him get, you know, that nine-sack game should have been Dalton. That sh- You know, he, he shouldn't have had to play the Browns. Everyone wanted um, – fields to come out for the Lions we knew it was going to be an easier game like that the Browns was supposed to be the last time we saw Dalton for the exact reason uh you know that that they lost that game was nine sacks the the (laughs) offensive there's nothing you can do against a Miles Garrett who's getting 4.5 in a game setting a friggin' franchise record um it was it was like a the Browns are a serious serious team anyone that's sleeping on them is is really is asleep uh, because that team is deadly defensively and, and offensively. I mean, they got probably the best rushing attack in the league. But um, this this was an ideal time for him to come out. And now, despite the fact we have a stretch of, of a couple tough games, I think that he's going to slowly ease into it. And I think expectation-wise, you know, if he can take us above a 500 season, it's a massive success. Yeah, that'd like he's huge, he's yeah. It'd be huge, right? Because and yeah. that's probably all we need, like you said, to catch that last wild card spot. I don't even think I'd put it on on wins and losses for him. You know, I, I think one thing that I really be looking out for, or really two things. Uh, the one thing I really want to note is that Laser did a, a very efficient job of at least taking the pressure off of Fields in in more ways than one. You know, not only was he able to get him out of the pocket a little bit more and, and kept him more protection in for him, he got the ball in the hands of weapons. You know, being Montgomery, yeah. Mooney. Just taking a little bit of the shine off of fields and making defenses think about someone else is already helping him out tremendously. One thing I kind of want to watch, and it's really not going to say much about statistics or anything, and and probably won't even tell you about the kind of game that he's having, but how is he going to develop a relationship with Allen Robinson? I think is really an interesting thing that I kind of want to track because I think in my head, I expect that it was like this. There's no reason why their connection shouldn't work out and be something that, you know, teams should fear. And, and Allen Robinson is really kind of the sleeping giant on this Bears team right now. So that's really kind of one thing I want to see. And, you know, I really, I, I truly believe I love watching quarterbacks get the ball into different um, players' hands. And I think I've already seen a good amount of that from Fields. I mean, he was putting the ball all over the field throwing the ball downfield. I mean, hell, we're talking about multiple 20-plus yard passes. That's nuts. Multiple I can't believe we're five. T- yeah. I can't believe we're talking about that with the Chicago Bears. So I love to see he's slinging the ball downfield. And I think ultimately it just comes down, okay, how can this man get the ball into the hands of the weapons most efficiently and, and not get him killed? That's what's made Tom Brady an excellent quarterback. That's why he felt terrible when he got Rob Gronkowski injured because he's great to the point where he even – you know, knows how to keep his valuable weapons out of trouble. So I just want to see Justin Fields go out there and use his weapons properly and start to develop that relationship. And I think one part of that to track is is to see how he develops a relationship with uh, Allen Robinson. Yeah, what's what's kind of interesting about that too is in terms of like developing chemistry with receivers, first of all, through two games, his number one – target has been Mooney yeah. by a lot. Through and uh, through. Mooney's Easy been to like see. his guy. 
easy, easy. I mean that that connection. Sorry about that. <laughs> Living with college kids. If you guys hear some background noise, um, the, the OG listeners will will recognize that at least because man, when we started out, there was times where I was still recording in the dorm room, and it was like, all right, hold on, like let's let's stop recording for a second because I got a resident that pulled up to the door. You know, like oh man. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. You're gonna hear door slamming and and girls yelling. It's a co-ed dorm, so apologize to listeners but as i was mentioning um the the connection thus far has been darnell mooney and justin fields and just thinking about this team moving forward where i think most of us are hopeful that the bears figure out a way to retain Allen robinson that somehow we extend him he either lowers his price or we raise ours you know uh and and somewhere maybe we meet in the middle in a happy happy middle ground but the guy that's gonna be on the bears one way or another for the next two, three, four, five seasons, is going to be Darnell Mooney. Um, that's the guy that long-term we really want to see Fields develop chemistry with because there is a reasonably high chance that this is Allen Robinson's last year. Um, There's probably going to be yep. some other team that's going to offer him crazy money, and unless we're willing to, to jump up there, I think – Personally, he's a top four or five receiver in the league, and if I think that, I'm sure I'm not alone, and I'm sure that there's other NFL executives that think the same thing. Um, and so they're going to be offering him, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, he's a completely unrestricted free agent. He can do whatever the hell he wants, so he's yeah. just going to take the highest bidder on that one. We can't franchise tag him. I don't think we can do anything. Um, so, so I'm more interested to see how does he develop with Darnell Mooney? Is this chemistry real? Because that last game was, oh my God, I was drooling. I was <laughs> drooling. I mean, to see a Bears receiver in general, you know, have 125 yards, like, uh, it's, oh, it's great. You know, oh my yeah. God, they had a great game. Like, that should be average for top receivers. For us, that's freaking crazy. You know, anytime he cracks a hundred which is pathetic but it, it, and especially when you're averaging okay he's averaging 25 yards a catch that's the most Every impressive he, part yeah that's the most right i mean it's it's not like oh he had 125 yards on like 13 receptions like great no no no. this is on five reset he caught the ball five friggin times and and got 125 yards so darnell mooney's young he's quick he's got a ton of upside he's only getting better um i'd love to see alan robinson show up more in the stats uh, but I'm I'm really really excited about this Mooney Fields connection. That was like a a Kelvin Ridley stat line, you know, like four receptions for like a hundred and ten. Like this man's just out here just catching bombs. Right. A Deshaun Jackson stat line, you know, like yep. just something yep. crazy. And yeah, I mean it's unbelievable too that he can hit him uh, hit him downfield. And and Mooney is helping out Mooney as well. Accuracy, man. Yeah, like some of those. The, the the one like deep deep ball, I mean you could not have placed it anywhere else. It was so perfectly played. Like Chicago fans are just not used to seeing a quarterback sling. And as as many problems as he had, I think Jay Cutler was the last guy I've seen on the Bears that could throw it 35, 40 yards and just land like in the exact spot it needed to. You know, Jay Cutler yeah. would also sling it to the to the defense yeah. for fun it, every three it, it was, The guessing game was, is this beautiful ball going to come down to the hands of the <laughs> right. defensive back or the receiver? You know, flip right. a coin. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Jay, we'll let you, let you pick. Yeah, there was that. 
taken taken a dive back into the past. There was I remember those games against the Packers. They're like the four pick games, and you just kind of watch the game with oh. like your face in your hands and being like, "This is just this watch is tough." And, and then he's gonna go ahead and peek the helmet like halfway back on his head and do the walk off from the sideline. You know, <laughs> like that's just that's just oh, classic man, classic Jay. But you know, luckily we haven't. Luckily, we don't see that with Fields, though, too. That's another thing. I mean, the commentators bring it up a lot in the game, too. That man literally goes back on the sideline. If he scores a touchdown, maybe he cracks a smile. But if it goes bad, he just sits there and, you know, he's listening to his coaches. But he never even looks, like, outwardly frustrated. Like, sometimes he looks, like, a little, like, pissed. But it's like, damn, Mm -hmm. that man really holds it together really well. And, you know, we saw a lot of that in the Browns game where it was just like, you know, you felt bad marching that man back on the field for, you know, lambs to the slaughter like come on <laughs> like manslaughter yeah like, like i'm a participant in watching this kid get assaulted you know yeah well one last thing that actually i forgot to mention zach so i'm going to spring this on yeah. you too before we get into the sure. raiders you know the bears make that trade um for jakeem grant i believe um with the miami dolphins for a six-round pick um a couple little notes things that i want to bring up on here I'm like, uh, okay, he's a great returner. Um, don't get me wrong in that. I know that a lot of Dolphins fans were happy to see him leave because they feature him in the passing game a lot. And there are highlight reels of him dropping passes from Tua. Um, so those are always tough to watch. You don't love to hear that. But the Bears are mainly bringing him in for what he can do on special teams. Um, so, you know, we're looking forward to see what he can bring to the table. My little note on this, though, is... Why did we ever let Cordell Patterson walk then? You know, because we literally kind of just oh, made man. this trade for nothing. And I wasn't someone that was particularly opposed of letting them go, but I also didn't foresee the Bears not knowing who the hell the return man was going to be. And I know the Khalil Herbert situation, him having to step up into extended role as Montgomery is out, is kind of forcing the issue a little bit. But it's just kind of interesting if we want to play the hindsight 2020 card it's like oh man so now we're giving out future draft picks and i know it's just a six but still you know to get a return man when we when we already had one yeah uh cordero patterson was invaluable to the bears last year and the year before um and and considering he's i think he's on a one year it looks like a one year three million dollar contract like we couldn't swing that bears. we couldn't <laughs> tough. swing a one t- yeah tough contract right three million like i i don't know man this guy's a future hall of famer um you think so i don't know about that man oh as a as a return specialist like i i, I mean think, well, I so. we gotta see if Devin hester makes it in first like honestly before that's true before we start that's making but I mean, claims like that he's if i'm not mistaken he's he's got like the same number of kickoff returns for a touchdown as Devin Hester does just kickoffs though right I, I think like yeah, yeah yeah I think Hester's probably got like more just we got the punt and then of course the field the, or multiple right. punts and the one field goal return yeah but as as a and I don't know how often special teamers get into the to the hall of fame but I I know that he's at least like a in a conversation maybe he's not a guaranteed um, you know lock, what? But I'd like to hear the debate now that you brought it up. You know, it, it, and uh, I could sit down in a different time and love to love to hear it. You know what I mean? Because I, I, it's yeah. not far off enough where I'd automatically be like a no. I think there's some rationale out there for yeah. it. So, but yeah, not I, a lot I, of special teamers do make one. it. I mean, there's like 
I think there's a kicker or two, which will be changing as we have Vinatieri and, and Justin Tucker eventually going to retire. So that will change. And um, I remember the one Bills like return man kind of did a little bit of everything on special teams, blanking on the name. But he's a, Steve Tasker in the Hall of Fame. Um, but, yeah, no, not very many. Um, not probably many a couple all. punters, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely uncommon. I, he seems like one of those guys that arguably could be, but regardless, I mean, he just and, and he did a little bit of everything last year for us too. I mean, he he kind of stepped in as a as a running back that that um, could also catch. You know, uh, I think last week he had three receiving touchdowns. Yeah, no, uh, the Bears never like utilized crazy. that from him. I was actually a little pissed when they moved him to running back because. He's a hell of a lot better of a receiver, and especially downfield. But since the Bears refused to throw downfield, it, it made a lot of sense. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's what it was, right. But, yeah. No, I mean, in Minnesota, they used him a lot in the receiving game, um, yeah, especially when Teddy Bridgewater hands, was there. Man. Yeah. He has hands, man. He has hands. And he's uh, a bigger target, he too. I mean, he's not a, a small guy. hands right now. He's huge, dude. He's a big-ass guy. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely missing him. Khalil Herbert is not going to fill those shoes, you know, quickly. It's this this goes back to what I've been talking about for weeks, man. Like we're a team that just has no friggin' identity. Uh, are we <laughs> competing now? Are we rebuilding? What are we doing? What are we? And I think our record of two and two perfectly represents that. And that's honestly how I think we're going to finish is five hundred, which is why I said. And I know wins and losses, you know, are, are a much uh, bigger thing than just quarterback play, but it's like. That's why I think if somehow Fields can find a way to elevate us above a 500 team, and we do go nine and eight, or somehow you know ten and seven. Oh no! Um, I don't say we, it. <laughs> uh, right. Well, I mean, God, the teams we'd have to beat to go ten and seven are obscene. But um, you know that would that would that would just highlight his his you know blossoming career like like nothing else could. I think is is taking us into a low seed playoff. But but still. I just is that who we want to be? Do we want to just like barely scrape into the playoffs? Like I, I don't understand. I don't understand. We'll be like the Texans, team, <laughs> just the perennial wild card losers. I swear to God, that was the Texans' role in the right. league for about three years, is to play in the wild card and and lose. Just to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and that's what we that's what we are doing. <laughs> in other um, kind of news, as far as player movement uh, stuff on Gilmore released by the New England Patriots, hit the market for about two hours and then ended up being on the Carolina Panthers. Um, there was a little for a sixth round pick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the news swirling around there, you know, of course, Bears fans got wind of it. Um, you know, especially like Austin loved the idea of bringing him in. But uh, being honest with ourselves, there's never really that much cap space to bring someone like him in. Um, it, it it was definitely going to be a stretch. Sure, you know, could the Bears definitely use him in the short term? Yeah. I'd argue that the Bears might as well keep building that secondary pretty young. They hit a home run with Jalen Johnson. So if you can pair him up with a, a second corner that's fairly young but also has talent and maybe a little bit more upside than, than Kendall Vildor, you know, a little bit better immediate playing ability than Kendall Vildor, you know, then the Bears will be in a pretty good spot. It's something that... You know, sounds really good on paper. You initially initially read and be like, "Huh, oh, I wonder if the Bears could get it." But I don't think the Bears were ever nearly in the mix. I don't think they could touch this with a ten foot pole. 
No, it looks like just from uh, Sport Track or whatever this website is that uh, he's he's on a five point four million dollar contract uh, with a cap hit of, of almost six million, five point seven. Uh, not massive. We could not have aff- no, yeah. but we just can't afford that. And, and, and looking back, it's like all right, well, we just cut Kyle Fuller. <laughs> um, you know what? What are we doing? Trading a younger corner, younger Pro Bowl corner for an older Pro Pro Bowl corner for like three million, two million. Like, all right, it doesn't. The math just doesn't add up. And and you know, it, it would if we found a way to do it. If we cut some cheaper contracts or we traded or whatever, I guess we would lean in in into that like win now mode mentality. But um, yeah, status quo. I this. I don't think it changes much, you know, not going after him, but I think it it just sort of reinforces this like identityless bears of we're kind of rebuilding, we're ca- we're careful about cap space, um, even though we're not. Ryan Pace is pretty bad with managing cap space, in all honesty. Yeah, he's he's, he's backloading a massive bill for us, which is going to be really hard to deal with in future years, but. Well, they're at a terrible point of we have a lot of veteran contracts and we're not in win now mode, at which I think we pointed you pointed that out, especially kind of in depth. I think in the even more so in preseason where it's like this, you look at the average age of this team, the oldest team in the league, and you go, damn, this is a team that should be competing for it right now. But most realistic people watching this team are going to figure that that's not where they are. I mean, unless Justin feels able to crank it up to 11, you know, and even and blow us away with even yeah. better than we think he can be. This team is just not at that point. I know Austin was a big fan of bringing Gilmore in. It's just not going to happen. And I think Zach and I were pretty adamant to, to him about that. That's just, it's, it, it's just one of those things you just look at and you go, it's not feasible. Like the bears just aren't making this move. So it didn't happen. Nothing too major to get on there, but just wanted to make sure y'all were in the scoop of kind of what the media flurry was for about two hours. Um, yeah, it was pretty quick. It came and went. Yeah, it, it came and went and it's almost kind of a good thing that it goes that way. You know, no reason to have any kind of false hope out here, <laughs> but Looking forward to this next game. Bears are out in Vegas. Um, actually, it's kind of decent buzz for just for the fact that I think this is the first time the Bears are playing out in Vegas. I just think the Bears media is getting a little bit of a kick out of it. Um, you know, interesting game to look out for. This is a Raiders team that they're 3-1 and one now. Before they played the Chargers, they were undefeated. Um, looking very strong. They have a great running game with uh, Josh Jacobs. Um, Derek Carr has looked pretty good actually i noticed though joey bosa made some statements out there saying as long as you can get pressure on him you're going to break him down he kind of gets gets scared pretty quickly which i thought was a a pretty tough move for something to say for you know a player that's going to be playing again later in the season um but you know maybe there's there's some validity to that definitely some matchups to look out for in this game um I'd say I have a little bit of concern <laughs> as far as that the, the Raiders do have some pretty damn good pass rushers, so I'm hoping this isn't Cleveland Browns 2.0. Yeah, yeah, that defense is, you know, surprisingly without Khalil Mack, s- somehow kind of rebuilt their pass rush attack um, over the over the last couple of years. And, and Derek Carr uh, admittedly also has not been having, you know, too crappy of a season. I think he was somebody that uh, 
a lot of people started to just kind of say, you know, they gave up on or he's a middling quarterback. And I don't think he's anything special. Um, but I, I do think that he's somebody that, you know, you, you can't overlook and, and go, ah, you know, we're going to we're going to absolutely crush this guy. But um, I am hoping that our, our pass rush can put some pressure on him and and make him look uh, scared in the pocket a little bit. Um, I, I it's hard to say. It's really hard to say whether or not I think uh, that they are like that much of a better team than us. I think that they do have the edge. Um, if I'm just gonna take a guess now, I, I think that we should lose this game, but we could win. You know, it's one of those like should and could moments. But um, I I think that they have enough weapons on uh, on offense and on defense that they, they could put us into place and kind of show us sort of our our place in the league which is it's an unfortunate reality of this game every game up until this point has been pretty clear right like the rams were supposed to absolutely pulverize us and they did we were supposed to kick the living shit out of the Bengals. We actually didn't. That was weird, but <laughs> you know, we we beat them. We felt we felt confident we were going to win going in. We felt confident coming out. Going into the Browns once again. I said before the game, this is going to be like a thirty to ten game, and it was close. It was twenty six to six. Then the Lions, same thing. It's like it's the Lions. They never win. We're going to beat them. Yeah. So so everybody felt good going to that game. This game's weird. This game's in the middle. This this is these are one of those teams where it's like. You really have to beat them if you think you're anybody. Because yeah, if you lose to the Bucks, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna bat an eye. Like, you know, they're the Super Bowl champs. There's Tom Brady's having another unbelievable season at forty nine years old. <laughs> you know how seemingly <laughs> seemingly for sixty three year old Tom Brady. But like if we lose to the Packers and the Bucks back to back, it's not not a big deal. If you lose to the Raiders, it really tells you that you're below the middle of the pack. Because at the very least, the Raiders are like a middle team. Um, and if you can't beat those middle teams, you're nobody. You're just, you might as well just sit down and, and rebuild. Because, you know, as sitting at 500, it's like, if you can't beat the other 500 teams, just friggin' rebuild. Just admit who you are. If you're beating, you know, terrible teams and losing to good teams, there's not much to go on. Um, but w- those middle teams, it's like that's that's where you really start to, to differentiate, like who is who. And later into the season, once the numbers start really racking up, you can start to kind of gauge that a little, little bit better. But early in the season, it's like, hey, the Raiders are playing better than we thought. We're playing exactly how we thought we would. You know, there's teams that, that – Bengals. Bengals are playing better. Like, we're their only loss. So um, th- things like that, that'll later in the season wins against the Bengals, wins against – the Raiders, those will start to show up and, and they'll start to mean more. Um, so, so really, really hoping for a win. But uh, it's it's gonna be you know this this game I think actually determines a lot more than the next two games. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I mean, this is gonna be the most winnable game that they have for the next three games. I think that's pretty cut and dry. And, and you know, the Raiders are looking a little bit more vulnerable. They played their worst game of the of the year on Monday night. They're also working with a little bit right. shorter of a week. Um, of course they have the advantage of playing at home, which actually has been a disadvantage. Uh, more road teams have won in the NFL this year than home teams, which is kind of a crazy stat line. Especially with fans back in. Last season that, that stat would be kind of a little bit you know, relative because it's like eh, it's a one-off. But interestingly, you know, fans are back, not really making too much of a difference for the road team. Um, and, and man, I mean, we're gonna get to see 
I think some good matchups being the O-line's got to show up against the front seven of, of the Raiders. I think that's a big one. And also, we're going to have to see how how do Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert handle the load? And what is that going to look like for play calling? You know, do the Bears kind of go, okay, now, like, Justin Fields, this is going to have to be more of a you game. Um, or are they going to feel confident, you know, pounding the ball like they did last week against the Lions? I think they're going to struggle doing that a little bit with the defensive front that the Raiders have already. So we'll see. But I, I think that, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, Fields and um, and Mooney can have a good connection like they did this past week. Hopefully we'll start to see Allen Robinson get included a little bit more. And, you know, <laughs> Matt Nagy loves to talk about the tight ends. Really, for the past two weeks, the tight ends have not gotten featured um, Invisible. In, into the game at all. So maybe we'll get to see a little bit more work on the tight ends as well. And I think defensively, um, they're really just going to have to hammer on stopping the run early in order so they can get after Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is not a statue, but he's not the most mobile person. Um, Robert Quinn is playing quick. He would probably be able to chase down Derek Carr right now at this point. Um, Cleo Mack, obviously, you know, <laughs> barring he doesn't pick up another injury that makes us wince and, and, <laughs> and worry uh, again, you know, hopefully he'll be able to get after him as well. And really, the Bears are just so stacked with pass rushing depth. I don't really fear it too much, and they've been getting results the past couple of weeks. So I'm hoping that's going to continue to stay the trend. And yeah, hopefully with that pressure will come a couple of turnovers. I think if the Bears, it's always a big thing. It's always a telltale sign the NFL is winning the turnover battle. But you know, if the Bears, you know, can get one turnover or less, and the Bears are able to get you know like two turnovers, it's going to give the Bears a lot bigger of a chance. Overall, if you're looking for my prediction, I'd say the Bears lose this game. I think in flip fashion to well, actually no, I'll, I'll say 24 to 17. Actually, I was going to do a complete flip of the Lions game last week. I, I think that the Bears will be able to contain the Raiders' offense to a certain point. Um, so I don't think that the Raiders will break 30, and I think that you know the Bears will be able to move the ball at times. But I think that they'll punch in a couple touchdowns, get a field goal. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Maybe a little bit, if anything, maybe the Bears could get to 21, but I'm going to keep them at 17. Um, but I think it, it could be a, a, an interesting game, at least for most of the game, um, but the Raiders will kind of seal it off. Yeah, I think uh, just touching on what you said a moment ago, you know, last week we had 30, like, six rushing attempts compared to Justin Fields' 17 passing attempts. I think that this game is going to flip the script completely. Yeah, it's going to change It's going to be – I think we're going to see Fields have 30 passing attempts. Um, and I, I think we're going to see a much smaller rushing attack. I think they're going to they're going to have to run the offense through Justin Fields. Uh, whether or not it's successful or as successful against the Lions, you know, it's, I think anybody's guess is as good as anybody else's. Um, I'm kind of with you in terms of prediction. I think – I think that that this could be more like a twenty twenty four game. Yeah, uh, that's possible. Know, Raiders win, something like that. I think there's no way the Raiders score thirty on us. There's just no way. Only the Rams did it, and the Rams are like maybe one of the best offenses in the league. Um, yeah, there, there's no way they drop thirty. But I don't think we score pretty much anything north of twenty. Uh, I think I think it's going to be tough without our our bell cow David Montgomery. So, you know, it, it'll be it'll be kind of a 
mid twenties game, but I think I think we're gonna come away with the L, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, there's definitely are situations where the Bears can win this game. But I think a big part of it you say, too, is, yeah, they're going to have to play a very different game plan to what made the offense look very seamless last week. And I think also with running the ball, they're going to have to run the ball different, too, uh, out with a lot of the power running and, you know, a little bit more runs out towards the tackle and the guard or um, even beyond the tackle. I think that it's going to be. It's just it's going to be a very different feeling game. Like there's no way that the Bears can come out with that last week's game plan and, and succeed, just mainly because of the injury to Montgomery and hopefully, hopefully Bill Lazor and the whole collective mind, our whole guru that we have that are breaking down each each offense. Everyone and Nagy get an opportunity to say yes. Hopefully we get to see um, the ball get involved with some of the tight ends and maybe Allen Robinson get involved as well. Um, but, yeah, anyway, certainly those minds are going to have to get together and think of something that's a little bit outside of the box. I hope so. I hope so, yeah. I want to see Cole Komet have a big game. We, we've been waiting on it. We've been waiting on it. He is not. Waiting, waiting weeks, man. <laughs> we've been waiting all damn year at this point, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll stay optimistic, somewhat Bears fans. I think that we can. There's a chance it's at least going to be a watchable game. Maybe our pride won't be completely hurt if the Raiders get up to like six or seven sacks, and our pride is going to be pretty hurt because that game is going to get pretty ugly oh, pretty big quick. Time. But big problems if that happens. Yeah, barring that, hopefully when we hop on the game reaction, even if it's a loss, we can still have some positive takeaways. And yeah, guys, be sure to tune into that. Um, we're always going to be keep punching out those game reactions and posting up more of those YouTube videos as well. Um, appreciate all the support on both the podcast and um, and the YouTube channel as well. And if you enjoy the podcast, uh, be sure to leave a five star rating and review. And we'll be sure to to read it out here on the podcast. And uh, if you if you're watching there on YouTube, listen to one of the snippets or the game reactions. Be sure to comment. Um, we all love to, um, you know, reply to the comments that you guys have down there and while you guys bring up some great points and, or either that or venting out some frustration, which is, you know, a little bit of group therapy. Uh, that was the term that was used a lot after, after the Browns game, but any, anything else you have to say, Zach, before uh, we wrap this whole thing up? No, man, I think this is going to be, you know, an exciting week. I'm looking forward. It's a later start too. So that's always nice for, for us California kids. Oh yeah, I'm sure sure you'll love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> so no man, I'm just I'm excited for the game. Looking forward to it. I always crack a big smile when I know that you guys have to get up at least before ten to start watching that. So you suck. <laughs> but hey man, it's my pain for having to work out a Pacific time for a Bears podcast. No pain, <laughs> no gain. <laughs> but once again, guys, I appreciate all the support and uh as always, bear down. <laughs>